Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the 490th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective. Our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. You can get your daily reading from me and other writers over at OnceTheMetro.com and the rest of the SB Nation family of soccer websites. Come on in. Talk. Um, chat room is open. Talk amongst yourselves if you like. If you'd like to have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. Before we uh, talk about what I really would like to talk about, how about that Champions League goal by Weston McKenney of Juventus to make it 2-0 on Barcelona? Of course, they win this 1-3-2, but my God, the technique was exquisite. Look at that midair smash, an ultimate smasher. By Weston McKenney, and the stock continues to rise as he continues to prove himself to be not only a very good player, but possibly somewhere down the line, a possible international superstar they'll be talking about for a long time. I don't think it's going to be right now, but he's on the way to be there. And that's what I love to see from our young national team players. Claudio Reyna's son, Giovanni, in my opinion, has already proved himself not only for Borussia Dortmund, but also now, even though it's only been two matches for the U.S. men's national team, I think he's already proven himself to be an ultimate international superstar. I'm not going to put a lot of pressure on him. He doesn't need to follow my words. But you see the technical ability. You see the pace. You see him going out there, not only setting up, scoring, working well, attacking, defending. The head screwed on right. Of course, Claudio Reyna is his father. So how does he learn how to be a professional from his father? played for many clubs in the world, and especially over in Europe. Came up huge, came up big. He has been a fantastic attacking player. He still needs a little bit more for the international game, but you know, right now, I'm not here to mess up with his mojo or mess around with his mojo. He has done an excellent job so far of attacking, preparing, setting up, free-kicking, anything and everything. And he has his first international goal that was against Panama over in Austria. So, the rant tonight, before we begin uh, this show, before we begin with the guests a little bit later on, FIFA, and I don't know why they've been doing this, FIFA has 
done something that I am very, very upset with. I am very upset with the handling of their World Cup qualifying draws for each confederation. Now, normally in a normal way, in a normal setup, World Cup qualifying, when the preliminary draws are underway, we have a big show from the host nation. We have a huge show with the host nation. Like what happened with Russia when they started to draw all the groups in all six confederations. Now, of course, South America is not a big deal. You just have to put the, those teams in the proper spots in the 10-team group to see where they're going to start. And then, of course, the match schedule gets announced. Everyone else gets drawn separately in their respective groups. And then, of course, then it will move on into a final round, and they'll be drawn individually from their respective confederations. In this particular way for Qatar 2022, when this whole situation got started before the coronavirus came, you had Asia and you had Africa televise their draws to the world. And of course, if you did not live in said confederations, if you lived, say, let's say for Asia, if you're not from the continent of Asia, but you lived in Europe or you lived in Africa, in South America, it was drawn live through FIFA and Asia. Same thing with FIFA through Africa. You would be able to watch it and you would have no problem watching where which teams or which nations would play against other nations in their said group. Same thing with South America. What they did was draw balls in one pot to see who gets picked and then you draw balls in another pot to see which placement they're going to start in. For some silly, stupid reason, both CONCACAF and just recently, this past Monday afternoon, UEFA has their draw, but there is no live video from FIFA. There is no live video from FIFA at all. Even a confederation that has the United States of America involved, we could not watch the draw. And the draw had, not just for the first round, but the final round, where you would like to think you'd like to see where our nation would be placed in. We could not see it. Many supporters of other, you know, New York City, of course, is the big melting pot. The United States is the big melting pot for anyone and everyone that comes from either Ireland, Scotland, England, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Norway, Sweden, Hungarian, Romania, 
Denmark, Iceland. They want to watch where their country will be drawn in which group, and at the same time, at the same time, who their opponents will be in said particular group. And then, you know, I woke up getting ready for this for this draw. I was ready to go. I'm ready to go. I want to see what's going to happen. I, I wanted to see what will happen. And nothing happened. It popped up. Your nation is not permitted to watch this. And on the page of the UEFA draw, it said, these are the nations that will be able to watch the draw either live on their, on television or uh, live through uh, YouTube. The outside countries or regions are Panama, New Zealand, and the block of nations that total the Middle East, and of course other nations from Asia and Africa. It did not say Mexico, but it did not say the United States. And I don't understand why we were not permitted to watch this. I don't understand why we were not permitted to watch it. Is it because of the streaming platforms that it would be used and not regular television? That I don't know. But you would like to think this is for everybody. Everybody to watch could not watch it. And the strangest thing is I couldn't even watch CONCACAF when they did their own draw. I kept looking for a video replay through YouTube of, you know, you want illegal streams and all that stuff. Look, I try not to do that, but the truth is that I want to see the actual draw itself. I want to see the balls drawn itself. Now, no offense to any of, uh, you know, the commentators or the uh, play-by-play analysts around Europe and the United States. Obviously, Callum Williams from Minnesota United was following it. Of course, Derek Ray, we all know him. He's following it. They're both tweeting it out. In their respective area. I mean, I don't know if Callum Williams went back to England or not, but at least it looks like he was able to watch it and how the groups were. I said to all of you, I will not report anything until I actually watch the damn thing myself. I'm not saying that I don't trust Callum Williams of Minnesota United FC, Fox Sports North, or Derek Ray, Bundesliga commentator through ESPN. I will not call them liars because they did their jobs and that's fine. I will not do anything until I see the damn thing myself. And if I exhaust all possibilities of unable to watch it, then I will go to the FIFA website and then, or the CONCACAF website, and then, only then, will I say, you know what, I give up. I'm going to see what they say, and then there it is. I'm going to write it down and everything that goes along with it. So I'm upset. I'm upset and angry and ticked off that because it's in Qatar 2022 and that could not even pull a preliminary draw broadcast, something tells me something fishy is going on here. I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you right now, I was not happy. I was very upset. I was very angry. And some of my colleagues were asking on Twitter, well, does anyone know uh, where the draw is being broadcasted? I told them, 
not being broadcasted. You got to go through, uh, you know, regular streams or illegal streams of the thing. But whose fault is that? Whose fault is that that we cannot watch the draw here in the United States? Whose fault is this? It is the fault of FIFA. And I will say this is also the fault of the confederations that are holding their draw. It is their fault that they cannot get their act together and show us what we deserve. We deserve to watch this draw happen. This is what we deserve. This is how we should get it. This is all I'm asking about. This is all I care about. This is all I want. I would like to know. I have friends that are from other nations that live in the United States. They couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. They're asking me, do you have a link? I'm like, I wish I did. Because the only link I saw was not the actual draw. It was people putting up the nations that have been drawn into the respective groups in Europe. I did not see the actual balls get drawn, opened, and the papers unfurled. To be honest with you, I didn't know if that was a legal draw or not. Now, I shouldn't be asking that question, but the truth is that's how I felt. I felt lost. I felt betrayed. We count here in North America. We should be able around the world to watch that draw. Now, when it comes 2026, or at least when the brand new cycle starts, I'm, afraid, I'm aware that the United States will probably host the, the uh, preliminary round draw and it will be broadcasted all over the world. But I've had enough of being considered as a second-class nation or at least a fifth-class nation or whatever, for football. I've had enough. This is ridiculous. It should not be this way. We deserve to watch the draw. We deserve to watch those balls get unfurled and tell us what nation will be in which group and who their opponents will be to qualify for Qatar 2022. We're going to review the conference finals in the 2020 MLS Cup playoffs. Columbus Crew defeating New England Revolution by a goal to nil. To talk about that matchup is, of course, from the Massive Report, Patrick Gouldan. Patrick, welcome back. I am hoping you're doing well tonight. And, you know, that was a great battle between two founding members of MLS. And even though probably not enough goals were scored, I think the chess match was really fun to watch. Oh, I agree. I, I think that that's a, um, a good way to look at it because I think both teams came in with their game plans and, uh, you know, Columbus on the, on the day got a little bit more from the, from the people they needed, which, uh, you know, they needed uh, Darlington Nagby to really kind of settle that midfield, make sure, you know, nothing bad happened and, and progress the ball forward. And then Lucas Zelleron, he, um, 
he 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 kind of tilted the game, uh, you know, as the goal was coming in the second half with uh, like a five minute stretch where he he just kind of made the difference, uh, hit the post, uh, you know, had a second assist on the on the goal, and uh, you know it, it was a chess match that uh, you know Caleb Porter made all the right moves and uh, they came out with the one nothing win and really when you look at it, you know I would have expected maybe even another goal. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I really thought that they were going to get another goal in this one. I mean, depending on when it was coming, uh, didn't. But I really thought, you know, nothing against Bruce Arena, of course. But, you know, like you said, I think Darlington Nagby uh, was the biggest reason why that midfield was probably a little bit more better on the night or on the day, I should say, uh, than the Revolution were. Yeah, he, he, uh, you know, made a lot of his passes. Uh, He was... He was maybe not as sharp early, but he did a lot of things um, on, on both sides of the ball. You know, I think that a lot of people look at him as, you know, that possession midfielder. You know, he can cycle the ball around, you know, maybe create a little bit. But his defensive work was quite good. And, you know, I, you know Zellerion, he works a, a lot on defense. And, and, and the unsung hero, the, the guy that, that just, you know, just uh, – breaks things up is Artur, you know, the goal scorer, you know, you look at that being the unsung hero, he scored the goal. He was part of the midfield that kind of shut the, the revs down. But, you know, the first pre- people that we talk about is, is Darlington and Lucas there. I, I think it goes to show the kind of player that Artur is that uh, he just has a skill set that, you know, you don't notice while he's doing it, but you would notice it if he wasn't. Uh, and, and the crew are, are, are really riding that midfield trio kind of controlling things and you know not not jump ahead but looking ahead at, at what Seattle can do you know they're they're going to be on the spot again I, I gotta say um I know you talk about we always talk about you know what Nagby has done Zellerina has done uh, what Zardes has done but I think you really have to go with um <clears throat> Andrew Tarbell four huge saves in this matchup for the Columbus crew. I know Eloy Room uh, is the starting goalkeeper, but of course him out with uh, coronavirus, uh, Tarbell really answered the bell both in the last match against Nashville and this past match against the Revolution. Uh, he was really tested, and he passed. Yeah, so uh, Tarbell, um, you know, he, the, the crew, when they got him, it was just kind of a – a little bit of an interesting thing because you had John Kempen as the backup. You brought in a uh, hometown uh, guy with uh, with Matt Lampson, and you think, okay, we, we have uh, a couple good options there. And then you know they didn't, you know, they didn't wait to bring in a guy like Tarbell, and you can kind of see why. He's a safe pair of hands. He he's he's excellent with those reaction saves. Um, you know, he 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 could give uh, LR Room a run for his money. Uh, on on keeping the ball in front of him and making sure that you know he does the saves that he needs to and even some of those acrobatic ones, you know I, I think that uh, you know when I, when I look at the weaknesses in his game, it's that uh, you know the kicking game, you know being able to to play with the ball at his feet, but you know he uh, he didn't shriek uh, shrink from the the moment and you know especially late in the game uh, when when New England was really pushing they got the ball and you know, he kind of came out and was stuck in no man's land. But uh, you know he he got his feet set. He he uh, made himself big. He didn't uh, panic. You know he realized he was going to have to make a stop. Then, you know the ball came right to him, but he was right there to make that save. And and 
you know, he, he, he has been an excellent backup all year as room has dealt with a few knee injuries, you know, coming back from coronavirus, which, uh, you know, there's no indication whether or not he'll play this week. My, my expectation is that that room will be back now that he'll have a full week of training. But, um, you know, with, with Tarbell, they have a guy, you know, who, who's a, an excellent shot stopper. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was very impressed with how he, uh, performed in net for the crew uh, to keep that clean sheet uh, alive and uh, just stopping the revolution every single time they had the ball. Um, you know, Arthur, I want to go to him. I remember, you probably do too, where he had that horrific injury a couple of years ago uh, when the crew were taking on the New York Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena. I don't know if it was where he just slipped or I think it was a tackle uh, or he was challenged on the ball, and then I believe it was a very bad either, I think it was a leg injury or a wrist injury. I'm trying to remember what it was, but he, I was there when I saw that. He had a, a broken wrist, uh, and and the, yeah. the, 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 this looking at that, uh, he came in in, in um, 2017, I remember his debut, because uh, I believe Muhammad Abu started the first game, and he was signed a couple of days before, and they made this this loan deal. And they brought him on within a couple of days of him officially joining the team, and it kind of showed that this is a guy. This is a guy has has a lot of talent, even as young as he was. He has that that uh, broken wrist midway, to, you know, early in his his first year, and um, he 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 didn't quite look at, as as confident with it, and it's really taken him some time to to kind of build up to that and. And uh, you know, get comfortable with it. You know, sometimes you have a mental uh, issues with an injury more so than the physical. And uh, he has just been dominant under Caleb Porter. He has really grown into the uh, to to what the team is doing. And you can look at a couple couple players that have really you know taken over uh, and, and really changed how they're 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 seen within the lineup by uh, their work with, with Caleb. And I know we talked about Pedro Santos last year, uh, last week, pardon me. He, you know, it's night and day under, under Porter than from, from Burhalter about what, uh, what Santos does. I wouldn't necessarily say it's exactly like that for a tour, but he has really come into his own that he is one of the better, um, you know, holding midfielders in there that, that can break up plays that can cycle possession that uh, uh, gives, um, you know, the, the team, the ability to, to, to break, uh, to, to stop breakouts and, and really kind of slow things down. And he's added goals to his, his repertoire, which, you know, that's, that's entirely unexpected. He's two goals in the playoffs, which is, uh, you know, no, no crew fan was really expecting Artur to break out as the goal scoring hero of uh, the 2020 playoffs. You know, I have to ask you about um, Caleb Porter Obviously, uh, the year you went to MLS Cup, you took on the Portland Timbers. Uh, uh, Porter was on the Timbers, got that shocking victory for the Cup uh, in Columbus. Now you have him back in Ohio, in Columbus. What difference has he made? I mean, I don't want to say it's a culture change because I just don't think there is a culture change. But uh, if I can say this, what what did he do tactically? to change things up to improve the crew from going from Burhalter to him? Well, as far as a culture change, it, actually they had a press availability today 
And they talked a little bit about that and, you know, what's the difference and, 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 you know, what is, what is the evolution of the team? And, and there is an evolution of that culture of, of, of how Caleb plays in that he's a different coach than Greg. Um, Greg had, a, I think, a little bit more of a collegial aspect. He was much more regimented. When you talk about tactics, uh, everybody had a spot on the field. He had uh, the way that the, the, the team shape should be down to uh, yards uh, on, on the field that, that somebody's occupying different zones so that the plays players are available for those, uh, you know, whenever they are Caleb. And I, and, you know, he, he talked a little bit with, about this with, with Pedro when he kind of broke out last year, uh, he, he, um, he wants the, the, the players to play a little bit more. He, he is a lot more uh, freer with, uh, with, you know, positioning, his ideas, his tactical ideas are, are not as regimented. Uh, there's a little bit more freedom with that. And so, you know, there, there's a little bit more latitude if you're a, uh, uh, a winger to, to be able to do certain things. Or if you're uh, in the midfield, he, he wanted the, the midfield to not necessarily drop one player deep all the time and then have somebody sitting in front of him like, uh, like Burhalter did. You know, he might have that double pivot between – Nagby and Artur, which really didn't work with with Trap and Artur last year, but um, you know he he's a lot more um, open to expressing this from his players. Whereas Greg, it was a little bit more of a, of a regimented uh, factor, and and the culture shift is is there too because you know I, I, looking at the roster, um, you know there's some core guys that have been on this roster. You know, Harrison Offal played in the last MLS Cup for uh, in 2015. Uh, Jonathan Mensa has been around since 2017. Artur has been around since 2017. Pedro has been around for a while. And and you have these guys, Jossie, you know, predates. You have these guys, they went through the, 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 the kind of the transition shock. And then, you know, Caleb and Tim Despachenko and, and Pat Onstad brought in reinforcements in the LR room. Or, and uh, Vito Warmhor, uh in the off season, and and some of these other players, you know, uh, Luis Diaz was another signing, or Derek Etienne Jr., who they they are bringing in these players to kind of provide a, a different variation on what the crew have been able to do. And so when you look at the holistically between now and 2015, the 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 midfield, the spine of this team, uh, you know, it, it is a very hard very stiff, very, very um, reinforced uh, midfield spine uh, central back partnership within this team that, uh, you know, wasn't what you would say about a great Burhalter team. And then from there, you know, they, they build off the creativity of the players around them. So it, it, it's, it's an interesting evolution of crew soccer and, you know, Greg and, and Caleb are, are, are similar in a lot of ways, but there are some distinct differences and you see that on the field. Yeah, you really do. What does Nagby do to be the field general? Uh to, you know, give Caleb Porter his uh, you know, his tactics during play uh every time they're on the pitch. So Nagby is 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 especially useful in in so many different ways in that um both you know, Caleb's brought in a lot of people who are 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 have soccer brain 
and, and are very intelligent players. You know, Greg did as well. Caleb does. And Nagby is one of those players where he doesn't repli- – there, there's no real replication of what he does within MLS. And so what you have is someone who's always available to receive the ball. So if somebody's in trouble, Nagby more often than not is there to, to provide an outlet. Or, you know, he has a great partnership with Artur. And so they are able to work as a tandem in that midfield to cover up um, any sort of transition if, the, if the, the, the team is pushing forward to be able to break up a lot of plays before they turn into, you know, uh, a lot of transition goals. New England found that out last week. You know, they were really playing for transition and they really didn't find success. And part of that is that Artur, Nagby, they have uh, this, this great sense of when to step in, when to to to, to kind of swing over you know, and, and cover those channels where, where a breakout might happen. And so, you know, they, they would stop something before it even started. And so Nagby is really that, uh, that key cog on both sides of the ball. And, you know, everybody knows that he can take, you know, receive the ball at his feet, make a turn, make the pass. You know, he, he's always moving. He's a very smart player with the ball. But, you know, on defense, he buys into the system. And I, I think that that's uh, – you know, how this team has been so good throughout the playoffs, everybody has bought into the system uh, about how to, how to play defense. It starts at the front. Giassi Zardes is always running. You know, Lucas Elleron is, is, is harassing, uh, you know, the, the, the people moving through midfield. And, and you have wingers who are always fighting and defending. And, uh, you know, so, so it makes it very tough. And, you know, it, it's – he talked about that, getting these players like Nagby or like Zelleron, like the, these, the, the, the stars to buy into being defenders. You know, Nagby, he, he shows mm-hmm. that every day. What worries you about Seattle? You're going to come over to Columbus. You know they're going to play tough. What, what's the one thing you worry about them? They have a lot of weapons and a lot of individual creativity. Um, you know, they, they have two players and – Lydia and Rudiaz, who are who are fantastic with being able to to create something on their own, and so the the, the crew have have faced that. And uh, uh, Heal and and, and Bo uh, last week with New England, but they didn't have a lot of supporting uh, you know players around them to to really kind of help carry that team. Seattle is, is the whole package, you know. Uh, the, 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 the word going around is, you know, to, to be the best, you have to beat the best right now. Seattle is the best in MLS. They, you know, they're, they're the reigning champions. They've had a great season. They have a lot of terrific individual offensive talent that works well together. And so, and, you know, as you saw yesterday, they don't quit. And so when you, when you have a team that has individual talent has, has the ability to bring off a Will Bruin off the bench to, to kind of make the difference, or, 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 or be able to, to change the game. You know, it, it's, it's just the, the depth of attacking talent that they have and, you know, pretty good defense. Uh, you know, it, 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 it takes a little bit to break them down. Um, but, you know, when I, when, I, when I circle it, it's those, those two, you know, uh, fantastic attackers from them that, that really are the things to worry about. Absolutely. Patrick? Uh, I'll talk to you uh, Monday night after the uh, MLS Cup final, and uh, you stay safe, uh, and uh, good luck in the final. Thank you very much. You have a great evening. Thank you. You too. Patrick, 
School Dan, the massive report, SB Nation colleague, as we get ready to talk, move forward to talk about that crazy, wacky, exciting, oh my God, that Western Conference final was unreal. Joining me right now to talk about it from Seattle, from the Athletic in Seattle, Mickey Turner joins me. Mickey, um, you know, we've always said there's a lot of ups and downs in these MLS Cup playoffs. The Sounders went from down, and then out of nowhere in a 15-minute span, they went all the way up back to the MLS Cup championship final. Uh, there was a game last night? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, there was a game last night. Uh, and, yeah, it was uh, about the most insane game I've ever uh ever covered in my short time covering uh, the Sounders, at least relatively speaking, um, you know, in the press box, they have us all spaced out uh, so as to abide by the social distancing uh, uh, protocols, but you can still, still hear the gasps and the oohs and the ahs, even though you're not supposed to really say anything uh, inside the press box. Um, and yeah, and you know, you're in an enthralling game when you've got that kind of reaction going on. Uh, where there's not supposed to be um, really anything said at all. Uh, yeah, uh, it was a the, – the the match itself, the Sounders didn't play poorly by any stretch of the imagination. They dominated no. possession, uh, dominated shots on goal, uh, shots, corners, duels, ones, et cetera, et cetera. They essentially dominated every facet of the game except for the scoreline for the first 70-plus minutes. Um, and you have to give uh, Minnesota some credit – uh, they took their two chances and took them well, whereas the Sounders, uh, you know, again, they didn't create a ton of chances, at least in the first, you know, say half of the game, but they had half chances. They had shots that, uh, you know, on another day maybe uh, have gone in or would have gone in. You know, the Jordan Moore shot off the post uh, for one. But they uh, they found a way, and Schmetzer it just continues to press the right buttons. Um you know, even for his part, he admitted that Minnesota had the game, uh, but the team found a way to dig deep and reach another gear. Um, and I think there's a couple of things that we, which we can probably talk about, which which explain the uh, the Sounders' ability to turn the game around. Uh, you know, number one being their experience in big games, um, and additionally, uh, you have to say that the uh, short turnaround for Minnesota certainly played a role. It really did. So let me ask you this before we get into the goals. What is Schmetzer time, and how did he, how did he find a way to make it work? <laughs> yeah, so uh, for those who, I mean, anybody who watched the game probably at least uh, knows what that means as a passing reference. It was basically admitted by Alexi Lawless and Rob Stone and the folks at Fox. Uh, it didn't really mean anything uh, last week when, when the phrase was coined, uh, because no one had ever used it before. Um, uh, but again, and no one really knew what it meant um, in the context of, uh, of what they were talking about. Uh, you know, I think we probably have something more of an idea of what that means, generally speaking, which is the Sounders' ability uh, to turn up another gear when the lights are brightest and when the pressure is on. Um, and they've got the uh, experience to really get that done 
um, on the big occasion. And uh, more often than not in Smetcher's tenure with the team, they've been able to do that. And this has been a veteran team since 20 – I mean, they've always essentially had a veteran presence, and that kind of goes back to Ziggy Schmidt wanting to get those types of players. They never were a true expansion team in that they just brought up a bunch of kids from USL. Um, and sprinkled in a couple of MLS, uh, you know, uh, retreads and tried to make a go of it. No, they, they always had uh, that quality and that experience on the ball, even in their first couple of years. While they weren't able to get over the hump in Ziggy's time there, uh, they did, you know, have a trophy or two uh, to, uh, to their name. Um, and so, you know, this is essentially, I, I think you could almost argue it's a culmination of their entire experience in MLS being able to come back uh, last night uh, when the chips were down and when the time was running short. And uh, I think that's, uh, that's as good an explanation for uh, what Schmetzer time means. Uh, it's too complicated. It's too complicated. No, I, I'm just joking. But <laughs> but I got to tell you, um, when, when he puts in Will Bruin into the game and he makes that uh, – he makes it 2-1 – in the set, like with like 15 minutes remaining in the match, I'm like, wow, okay, they pulled one back. Uh, maybe something good might happen. You never know. And then of course, Raúl Ruiz Diaz. I, I mean, how they got him to come over to Seattle. Uh, I mean, who who do you equate him to? Who do you measure him to from the past? I mean, would it be maybe Freddie Youngberg? Would it be uh, at the time? Um, Oh, Freddie Montero. I mean, I, I don't know who to compare him with. He's been – he finds a way to be wide open, and he buries these balls like they're nothing. Yeah, I don't think you can compare any of those guys. Uh, and you can throw maybe Obafemi Martins in there too. Uh, um, I don't think any of them compare to what Rui Diaz is for one simple reason, that none of those guys uh, had any goals in the playoffs. Uh, literally, uh, they never scored um, – um, when the pressure was was on, and Rui Diaz's uh, goal uh, scoring rate is just insane. Goals and assists, is, you know, it's got to be close to you know one, you know, two a game almost, or maybe like one and one and you know one one and three quarters. Let's put it that way. Um, but again, he's just a guy who has the quality to know where he needs to be um, to put those balls in the back of the net. And he's got the quality and the vision to find his teammates as well. And then he's also got the quality to pull something out uh, of his hat and just, you know, give, uh, do something spectacular. Um, and so he's essentially, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the total package, uh, especially for an MLS player. And it's just been incredible to watch even in their 2018 season when they were knocked out by Portland. He was still banging in goals uh, up until the end. And so it's just, uh, you know, you got to give credit to Lagaway and Hanauer, uh, Adrian Hanauer, the owner, and uh, obviously Garth Lagaway, the GM, uh, for, you know, scouting, negotiating, and bringing him and, and paying the money because, you know, his, his transfer fee was upwards of $7 million. Um, and then his, his salary certainly uh, is, is well over DP level. Put in the investment, um, and you can see why that is necessary if you want to advance. Uh, um, in MLS, you've got to have those big time scores because, again, you know when they uh, when things aren't working, when the chips are down, those are the players that can do something and, and uh, make something out of nothing. Yeah, and of course, uh, coming off the bench as a substitute, Gustav Svensson, 
um, how he's able to freeze the goalkeeper uh, to get that third ball in there in second half stoppage time. That's a miracle within itself. I mean, I know he's been with those Sounders probably a good couple of years by now, but to find a way to beat St. Clair in goal was just incredible to see that ball harmfully to Minnesota just tuck itself inside the the, uh, the back post for that big uh, game-winning goal. Yes, Vincent has uh, had a penchant for scoring goals uh, in the playoffs, uh, headed goals, uh, no less. Uh, he's got three of them. Um, he had the one in Houston in 2017 and then RSL uh, last year to, to get the Sounders off the Schneid in, in, um, in that game, which was pretty tight. And so he's got that kind of quality, obviously. And, you know, in his four years with the Sounders, he's been a steady uh, influence. He started pretty much whenever he has been uh, healthy and um, or uh, you know, not on international duty uh, and available to start. So, uh, you know, again, this was kind of an unusual circumstance in that he was obviously uh, uh, you know, tested positive for the coronavirus and thus was quarantined for the 14 days. He was asymptomatic, so there were no uh, outward symptoms. Um, and so he had only had a couple of practice sessions with the team. I'm sure he would have wanted to start because uh, all things being equal, he certainly uh, likely would have. And so that just, again, kind of speaks to the depth that the Sounders had uh, when you start Christian Roldan and Jao Paulo, uh, uh, who are TAM and DP players, uh, respectively, uh, start them in the middle of the pitch and don't really lose anything. Um, Spence is a different type of player. He's a guy who can pick out a pass um, and kind of transition the, uh, the defense to attack, uh, whereas a guy like Roldan, who's playing that position, um, isn't necessarily that's in his strong suit. He's, you know, he's kind of a, a, dog, uh, a bulldog. Uh, who can win uh, his one-on-one duels and can get forward on the dribble. So it's going to be interesting what they do for MLS Cup because they are, you know, knock on wood, uh, healthy with no other, uh, you know, coronavirus uh, positives. So they should have their full complement for the game. Um, And so that means someone is going to have to uh, sit between, uh, you know, Svensson, Roldan, um, or maybe they move Roldan out to the wing and sit Joven Jones. Uh, but it's obviously a good problem to have and something that uh, Schmetzer used to good effect yesterday, having that fine kind of quality uh, coming off the bench. We, you know, obviously didn't mention uh, Will Bruin, who, who uh, got the Sounders back in the game initially. Yeah, really just amazing goal that started off by Will Bruin because if that goal doesn't get scored, I think Minnesota knocks, you got, knocks the Sounders out. I, I really, really do. Uh, with two fabulous goals that were scored. And then here comes the sounder train, and they just find a way to get the result to move into the MLS Cup final. Now, Columbus crew, they've been very stingy, very, very strong. Darlington Nagby and Caleb Porter were part of Portland at the time uh, when they had their run to MLS Cup. I know you know them very well, but besides those two, what worries you about the Columbus crew when you fly over across the country to take them on at Mopri Stadium for that championship final again. Yeah, the crew have always presented a bit of a challenge uh, for the Sounders. Uh, just you know, uh, and you know, not that the Sounders haven't had success. They uh, they won in Columbus last year um, with uh, with a team that was half uh, you know half starters and half reserves. Um, but Columbus has come into CenturyLink or Lumen Field now and, and gotten some results. Um, and, in fact, they did earlier this year. They got a, a 1-1 draw, and Sounders needed a late penalty from uh, Rui Diaz 
uh, to get that point. This is going to be this is a very even matchup, I think. Um, I I'm not sure I would be able to just uh, pick a winner. Like you knew that the Sounders were favored favorites against Dallas and Minnesota, uh, but they're obviously not going to be on the road or uh, be at home, and so the road aspect is is probably one of the most worrisome things. Uh, heading into the game because, uh, especially on a short turnaround, this is not a typical MLS week where you get a full week to 10 days before the game. Uh, you know, if you've got like four, uh, three practice days and a travel day, and then the game is here. Um, as far as on the field, uh, you've got a, a good look at uh, Zellerayan, who's been uh, fantastic for the crew this year. Zardes scored against the Sounders um, and typically presents a problem. Uh, you know, the Sounders' back line, uh, you know, is not where it been historically when they had the likes of Chad Marshall uh, back there, uh, so they can be had, uh, even though they are have typically or generally been pretty solid this year, uh, but Zardes can certainly give them fits with his pace, um, and so those are the really the two that you're looking to try to hold, bottle up, um, and it's going to be up to Spencer to determine that you want to bring Javier Arriaga back into the fold, uh, you know, O'Neal, uh, Shane O'Neill seems to have won that job, at least for now. Um, and I, I would be uh, surprised if Schmetzer decides to make any changes uh, to the lineup, with the exception of obviously bringing uh, Spenson back in and Leardham back in for Alex Roldan. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting chess match. Uh, the, as you say, these guys know each other very well. Um, and, again, it, I think it's a toss-up at this point. I, I, I wouldn't be able to say who I think is going to win, uh, whereas in the earlier games, uh, you had a you had an idea of who 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 is the likely winner. All right, Mickey. Listen, have a good night. I'll talk to you next uh, uh, this upcoming Monday. So uh, you have a good night. Take care. So long, and stay safe. And have a good night. And I don't believe a single thing of that picture that you were just having a uh, a Coke Zero. You had to put something in there. I know it. I know it. It had to be at least a margarita inside. I was driving, so I had behaved myself. All right, all right, all right. I believe you. You know I believe you. <laughs> yeah, have a good night, all right? Take care, Mickey. All right, take care. All right, take care. Mickey Turner from The Athletic in Seattle covering the Sounders. They, with a miraculous comeback victory, defeat Minnesota United FC by a final of three goals to two. And it will be on Saturday night, 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific, live on Fox, TUDN, Spanish language, of course, across Canada, uh, on TSN and uh, TVA Sports. It will be the Columbus Crew hosting the uh, Seattle Sounders. Now, to tell all of you what the plan will be for these next coming days uh tomorrow night live from inter miami stadium in fort lauderdale florida uh it will be the international friendly as the united states will take on el salvador that will be on at 7 30 p.m eastern 4 30 p.m uh pacific uh, and then of course later on we'll have to take a bit of a half half an hour break uh Feuerstein's fire american soccer show We'll have a USA versus El Salvador post-game show. I'll be joined by both Carter Krishnire of World Soccer Talk and former Fox Soccer Channel's presenter and uh, play-by-play man uh, Christian Miles will be joining us. Will be joining me. 
as we give our opinions to the match uh, with that friendly against El Salvador. And yes, I know El Salvador does not seem to bring a proper challenge for the USA, but you know, as of right now, uh, with the international windows not there in the month of December, you know, the U.S. felt that they needed uh, an opponent. They really haven't had a lot of matches to be played due to the coronavirus. And, they, and you know, Greg Berhalter wants to see the complement of MLS players that have been on the national team and some new ones that could join the U.S. men's national team for future matches. And, of course, uh, the CONCACAF Gold Cup, World Cup qualifying will begin um, uh, this up next year, uh, September. And, of course, of course, we also have the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals and final that need to be played as well. So this will be a big challenge for the U.S. This will be a huge challenge for the U.S. And all I can say is, is that Greg Berhalter needs to see what he has before three big tournaments are upcoming and, of course, more friendlies coming up on FIFA international dates. Uh, FIFA, CONCACAF, I should say, now has new dates uh, for all rounds one through the final uh, to be played. Of course, they'll start in March uh, with the first round for the first, le- uh, for the first bunch of matches for five match days. And then it will be in June for the second uh, half of the international match dates for those first round games in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. And then another time in June, uh, there will be the second round matches. Then in July, of course, the CONCACAF Gold Cup is played. And then starting September, the final round gets played. And there will be, as I just saw, there will be three match days in September, October uh, in 2021. And then in 2022, back to three match days uh, for January and March. Uh, the only time we're going to have a regular calendar situation for two match days will be this upcoming November in 2021. So it's going to be three, three, two, three, three for CONCACAF for World Cup qualifying. They're really, you know, compacting them. Uh, I thought maybe they might do a December month and then uh, move to March, but, you know, they already got uh, their, uh, by FIFA, already accepting match days in January uh, to be official. So we'll just have to wait and see what's going to happen there. It's going to be exciting and fun. And uh, hopefully when this, this, this type of pandemic will never happen again, we're going to take it easy. So once again, um, just to give you the setup schedule for the next two weeks, it's going to be, and um, this is how it's going to set up or for the next bunch of dates that here on the 40 Scenes Fire American Soccer Show. We're going to have now tomorrow night USA El Salvador postgame show. That'll be at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific start time with Carter Krishnire and Christian Miles. And then on Saturday night, it's going to be uh, Columbus hosting Seattle for MLS Cup Final on December the 12th, which will be a Saturday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern match start time. I believe the broadcast will be at 8 o'clock to start. Uh, And then Monday, the following, this coming Monday, 
will be the uh, MLS Cup final review show uh, on the Monday, the 14th. And then the CONCACAF Champions League, now the schedule is is ready to go. Uh, It's going to be on the 15th and 16th of uh, December as we're going to see the quarterfinals finish up. Three matches will be under aggregate. One match will not be under aggregate. It will be a single elimination match. Win and you advance, lose, and you go home. All matches will be in Orlando. So what we will do is, or what I will do is, there will be post-match for both games. We're going to have on those people who cover their respective teams or league will be joining me uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. And then Wednesday night into Thursday morning, early morning, uh, first first matches will be at eight o'clock, and then the uh, then the second match will be at a half hour start later. That'll be at ten ten thirty p.m. Eastern time, and then once we get bearing uh, possibility of no penalties in any of these matches, uh, post match will be at um, either twelve thirty p.m. Uh, twelve thirty a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, eleven to nine thirty p.m. Pacific. Uh, that is depending on no penalties. If so, then it will be at one o'clock uh, a.m. Early morning start time. Ten o'clock p.m. Pacific time, and then uh, the semifinals. Whoever advances in the MLS department uh, will be on that Saturday, which will be uh, 17-18, which will be on the 19th, that Saturday night. Um, But before that, on Friday night, the 18th, the final MPSL soccer show uh, will be broadcasting. We'll have another new club joining the NPSL ranks. for next year. It should be exciting and fun. I cannot wait. And then on Monday, December the 21st, will be the final show for the 2020 season. And we will try and get you, or at least I will try and get you as many guests as possible uh, to talk about the year. And hopefully, maybe we'll get a guest to come on and to discuss, uh, you know, the last show of Four Year Steams Fire for the 2020 season. Now, I want to say that for this show, that it got started 10 years ago, all on Blog Talk Radio, I have accumulated. Now, it's not just Four Year Steams Fire, American Soccer Show. This is also U.S. Open Cup review shows. This is about uh, CONCACAF Champions League review shows. This is men's national team, women's national team review shows, World Cups, World Cup qualifying, friendlies, Gold Cups, uh, under-20 tournaments, anything and everything involving American soccer. I have reached over 1,000 shows all together. And I want to thank all of you for making it successful. Uh, I want to also thank all my guests that have come on the show the regulars as well as uh, new guests that have come on. Um, I really, really want to thank all of you uh, to 
join this show, who come on this show to discuss your clubs, uh, the, na- the, uh, the national teams that you, know, you cover, and everything else. We're going to try and do that again next year. Uh, unfortunately, no Open Cup review shows for any rounds whatsoever. But, you know, at least we had the draw done. And, of course, adding on NPSL Soccer Show has been uh, a fun time. And we'll get to that uh, next Friday night when we do the NPSL Soccer Show, the last one of the 2020 season. So we will discuss that moving forward. But I want to thank all of you, of course, uh, for listening to the show, making this show popular. And when we get to 500 episodes of the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show, we definitely, uh, you know, we'll have a nice celebration moving forward. Other than that, um, I want to thank all of you for uh, being a part of this show, joining me, listening to me, and uh, my guests. I want to thank again for uh, being on this show, but. We still have more shows to do before we say it uh, a good night and a goodbye. But still, though, thank you, all of you, for being a part of this. And uh, I'm always grateful. I know there are probably other shows that you love to listen to. I only hope that you include me on that list because the truth is I try to give you the best content possible on this game in our country, uh, especially with our friends in Canada and, of course, the entire confederation of CONCACAF, these nations that are important to uh, be a part of uh, this whole, uh, our nation, our region, and everything else that is a part of it. So, once again, I thank all of you uh, for being there for me. I really do appreciate your time. I appreciate your listening. uh, And I appreciate your... uh, your dedication uh, to this show. I try my best, and this is why I do it live streaming. Why? Because for me, it's the best way to do it. And I just really believe that uh, having a live audio streaming platform uh, is going to be the best way to do it. Now, there might be a a change somewhere down the road. I don't know yet. I have to uh, look at my uh, options if I wish to uh, change things up. But, you know, Blog Talk Radio has been there for me, and I appreciate them, even though there have been times that they've been very, very um, difficult uh, to be uh, big time here. And, uh, you know, a little crazy sometimes, but you know what, though? Uh, I, I appreciate them uh, using, allowing me to use their service and their platform. So... Join me once again tomorrow night, USA versus El Salvador post-game show, the International Friendly, and then further on next week. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care so long. Please stay safe. Please stay vigilant. We'll get out of this pandemic. I know we will. Have a good night. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now. So long, everybody.